When I was a kid, as many of you know, I had the privilege of growing up in Africa, in Tanzania and East Africa, and I absolutely loved it. I learned so much about God and about life and felt so loved uh, by the African people and saw my parents and family pour out God's love uh, on them. And it was such a, such a memory of joy in my mind. And I learned so much about God and culture and, and who he is. But when, when we moved back to the States, I was 13 years old and I was a bit lost. We had a year here and uh, we were looking at going back when I was 14. Uh, but that's when uh, everything wrapped up. I remember the day my parents came uh, to me and to my sisters and shared that they, they felt like, and it, and it seemed like for us as a family that it was God's time for us to remain in the States. I was excited about this new life in the States, but I also felt completely clueless about culture in the U.S. and what it meant to live as an American. And honestly, it took me years. I don't think it was till I actually went off to college that I began to feel like I had some idea. I'm still, I still have a ways to go. I, I'm still constantly asking Shauna what I'm supposed to wear to one hope event or another. I am just so clueless in some in some areas of of the culture, uh, but but there as a as a seventh grader and eighth grader and and ninth grader, I was trying to figure out who I was and and where I fit in the American culture. And for some reason, music just came naturally. My my dad, um, a gifted musician. My my grandmother was a gifted musician. I just kind of. Um, fell into this uh, love for music and for some strange reason the trombone kind of gravitated towards me the idea of blowing a bunch of air through a piece of metal and moving a tube to change the pitch uh, just uh, delighted me and so uh, I sort of dove into that and, and in a time when I was kind of void of identity you know this became something I latched on to only to find out that if I was good at the trombone, I would have the opportunity to go to various competitions I could travel, which has always been a love of mine. And if I made the, the, the state, if I did well at the state level, it even involved international trips, which turned out to be a huge joy, a reason I got to go to South Korea while I was in high school, absolutely fell in love with South Korea and just a real privilege to, to get to travel. But if you rewind to those early years, right after I had come from the States and this dream, this vision was in front of me, it was something I clearly wanted. All I needed to know was how to get there. And this simple formula was laid out for me. You need to practice every day. You need to have uh, really good uh, teachers. And then you need to go to as many competitions as you can. So. So you get used to competing. And so it was this very simple three-step formula that, that I employed to its fullest. I practiced like crazy. I thought, well, if I practice harder than anyone else, perhaps, that, that should really help. And I'm going to go find the best teacher that, that I can. My parents were amazing in that. And I'll go to every competition I can. I, I loved them anyway. 
And so this idea of, okay, here's the vision, here's the dream, here's something you deeply, deeply want. Now back up, what are the steps to get there? That has been something I've always gravitated for it, 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 towards. It's, it's hard when you have a vision, but you don't know how to get there. It's so much easier and something is laid in front of you and then the steps are clear. And today's passage from the book of Acts is going to give us the steps, I think, in, in a sense, the steps of process to look towards if we want to experience the gospel going out from us in power, the boldness in sharing the gospel, which we probably all want, I think we'd all say, we want to be faithful in sharing the greatest news of all time, but we so deal with fear. And I am right there dealing with fear when it comes to sharing the gospel. It's always been an issue. I so badly want the boldness of God. And then the power of God, the signs and wonders, the, the miracles that can take place. We, I think we crave that. We don't want to be in the trappings of, of this world of flesh and bones. We want to experience God and his divine power crashing into our world and doing what only we can do, he can do. It's what we pray for. It's what we long for. And I think this passage is going to give us this step-by-step for it. So my question for us, Hope family, is are we willing to do the steps that it takes? Are we hungry enough, really? Really, isn't that the key in all of our lives? If we're hungry enough for something, then God will do it. So can I pray for us again, just one more time, a quick prayer before we even dive into passes that God will implant his heart into ours. Father, I pray right now in this moment that Every distraction would cease. That the things of this world that, that so call us to pay attention to them would stop. And, and not just for this moment, but that for the days, the weeks, the months, the years to come, you would shift us into even a deeper longing for your heart and for what you have for us. God, we plead with you that it would be your heart for sharing the gospel with boldness. That it would be your heart for, for seeing the miracles. We want it. We want it. But we want to want it like you want us to want it. We want to, to want it like you do. We are hungry for you, but we need your help to experience the fullness of your heart. God, will you just give us your heart? I want it so bad. We want it so bad. And so we pray for that. Even before we read and dive into this passage today that your heart would be in ours for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I love that. I love asking God to do his work in us. Let's read uh, together from Acts chapter 4. going to back up just a little bit to say, beginning of Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are walking into the temple. They see a guy who's lame. He asks for money. They say they don't have money. Peter says, we'll give you what we have in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk. And he does. It's this phenomenal miracle that happens. Peter begins to preach because that is the pattern in the book of Acts. Proclamation, demonstration. Proclaim the gospel and experience the demonstration of the power of God with miracles that affirm the gospel. Uh, oftentimes, the miracles come before the, the, the proclamation of the good news but it can happen in either order. So the proclamation demonstration, that happens, Acts chapter three. Peter's 
uh, sharing uh, the good news after the, the lame guy is healed. Then he and John get arrested. They're taken before the teachers of the law. They're, they're um, sort of inspected, put on a little bit of a trial. And, uh, and Peter proclaims that salvation is found in no one else. It only comes uh, through Jesus. The teachers of the law are wondering what to do with Peter and John. In the end, they warned them never to preach or teach in the name of Jesus again. But Peter and John say, we can't help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. I love that line. We're simply sharing our story, aren't we? Those times when we share the good news, the gospel, the story of what God has done in Jesus, when you and I are sharing that, we're simply sharing about what we have seen and heard. It's like we can't help not sharing about it. Can you imagine if the Dodgers win the World Series, you and I are going to hear about it. Eddie and Steve are going to drop it on us. It is going to happen. It doesn't matter that in Houston we're in Astro land. We are going to hear about what's happened to the Dodgers. And that's how it is for us, isn't it? When there's something we deeply care about, deeply passionate about, other people are going to hear. If something great happens to your kids, I'm guessing others around you are going to hear about it because you love your kids and you love to share the story. If there's something truly, truly cherished that takes place in our lives, it tends to come out. If you're married, maybe it was the time when, when you were engaged and it, it just... It just happened, you, you were on cloud nine, you couldn't wait to tell other people that, that you had gotten engaged. Maybe, maybe it's, it's the time when you got a new job and you couldn't wait to share that with, with other people. This is what happens when those things that we deeply, deeply cherish uh, just, just flow out of us. And Peter and John are saying that, we can't help but speaking about what we've seen and heard. And so, that was what was so deeply in the heart of the disciples, uh, the followers of Jesus. But with it had come this real warning, this severe warning, that if you preach and teach in the name of, of Jesus, um, you'll be in trouble. And so um, they went, Peter and John did, back to the disciples so that they could uh, share the good news. And let's pick up the story and see what they did together. Acts chapter 4, let's begin in verse 23. When they were released, so when they were released from their captivity, they went to their friends, the other disciples, and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, all right, Hope family, some of you have with, been with us since the very beginning, and you know this is one of my favorite passages you're about to hear some of the things that have been on my heart forever with this passage, but also some things that, you know, the amazing part about the Word of God is that it's always fresh. There's always something new and new things. If you just keep reflecting on the same passage, new things will just keep coming. Well, this passage is for my life. I know that. I trust it's for yours as well. But God has so much for me in this passage and just continually wrecks me over it. Verse 24, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, it's like the immediate thing they did was to begin praising God, worshiping him and praying and asking for his help. Prayer was the immediate thing they did. It doesn't even stay in the story that they consoled Peter and John. 
I'm so sorry, Peter and John, that you got arrested. I'm sure that was scary. You had to go through the trial. You had to hear all of their threats. I'm so sorry. Now, I won't be surprised if that happened. Obviously, that's a great thing to happen, but it's not even in the story. It's striking to me when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, what the scripture highlights to us is that when they heard it, they prayed. All too often, prayer is almost an afterthought. Do you, you know what I mean? It's like we're together and then we have these really rich, deep, meaningful times together. It's just so important. But then it's like, oh, before we go, let's pray together. It almost feels to me like perhaps it was, and, and, and I don't know this because the story doesn't, doesn't say all of this, but perhaps could it be that, that there were those hugs, those encouragements, that, that consoling, you know, hearing the story together, but then let's also jump right into prayer and really, really spend time praying together. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like sometimes the vast majority of our time is just together and then there's just this incremental time, this, this, this bit of time with God, but it's almost inviting God into the moment. So let's be together, you know, with, with one another, but then let's, let's invite God into this and just also just sit in his presence as he ministers to us. When, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord. So significant to me that they called him Sovereign. It, it was in one word, this way of saying, God, you ordained all of this to happen. This was not a surprise to you. We are okay. We're okay. They may be threatening us. They, they may say they're going to do bad things to us if we keep sharing the gospel, but we are okay. And Hope Family, this day is coming for us in America, isn't it? You can look at what has happened even in recent years, e even in the last almost 10 years as our journey as a church. And you can see what's happened in Houston and around our nation and the, the continued growing opposition to what we can call Orthodox Christianity. The way that in some ways it's, it's come from, from people in authority. In other ways, it's just come from the masses with this attempt to shift culture, even within the church, from outside the church. And, and pushing on the boundaries of what we would call orthodox Christianity. Some of it in really overt, overt ways, and some of it in really subvert, subversive ways. Some of it just a, an, an outright opposition to orthodox Christianity, and, and some of it very subtly the culture trying to sneak in from the outside to make us shift our theology from the inside. And those two streams are, I think, at coming against the church in America. And to, to not state it perhaps too heavily, I, it seems to me that, that the coming years and, and the coming decades are going to be really, really significant for the church. For us to hold firm to the scriptures and to who God is, not to bend and not to give in to 
the pressures, rather the overt pressure or the subversive pressure of the culture, but instead to stand true in the scriptures, to love the word of God and to love the word of God for what it is. For, for who God is, not to, not to change ourselves or try to change the scriptures or change who we are or what we believe just to, just to avoid opposition, but to be inspired by the way that the disciples were faithful so that we ourselves can be faithful. And, and with that will come some trials, and, and with that is going to come some opposition so that we in, in gentle and, and humble and godly but faithful and true ways walk in line with the scriptures. And I think at all times, in all ways, we will be comforted to remember that God is sovereign. Just as the disciples themselves were not surprised, we will not be surprised. It will not catch us off guard that our culture will try to push on us, that perhaps people in authority may try to push on us that in coming days and coming years there will be streams of influence trying to push against the church but we know that God is sovereign he knew all along that this is coming he is with us and we are okay so what do we do we journey together we meet together we talk together we hug one another and we pray we pray we pray we pray we sit in the presence of God we call out to our sovereign Lord and we know that we are okay. I love how the disciples did this together. They lifted their voices together to God and they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Isn't this their way of saying, God, you are so great. You are sovereign. You're in control of all things and you have created all of this. So we are so small and we're okay. You know, one of the things that happens to you and me is that our problems seem so big. And we drown in them when we feel so small. But it's a reminder to us when we pray as the disciples did, we are praying, God, you are so big. It's our problems that are small to you. And so I love the way here they say, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. They quoted from the Old Testament and look how they said this. You said through the mouth of our father David, your servant, by the Holy Spirit. Now this is striking because it wasn't until after Jesus came that the Holy Spirit was given to the followers of Christ. So in the beginning, God had made everything perfectly, but Satan came, tempted Eve, she sinned, Adam sinned, everyone after them sinned, you and I have sinned, we've all rebelled against God. So we all have this breach between us and God, but God sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, the only one who ever had to be a sacrifice, died on the cross to accept our sin on him. If we believe in him, if we trust in him, he takes the punishment, the penalty that we deserve so that we can have eternal life with God. So through Jesus, we are able to be together with God. Now, Jesus lived that perfect life on, the, on this earth. He died. He rose from the dead. He lived 40 more days on this earth before he ascended into heaven. And as he was getting ready to ascend into heaven, he said to all of his followers that the Holy Spirit would come. They should wait 
for his Holy Spirit. And after that, every follower of Jesus has had the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the Spirit of God dwelling in them. So Jesus is with you. Jesus is with me. This phenomenal, mind-blowing truth that God himself dwells within us. In the Old Testament, that wasn't yet the case. The Holy Spirit would come on someone and then, and then leave. It was a temporal dwelling of the Holy Spirit on someone. But here's David citing part of the scripture of the Old Testament. And the New Testament is verifying that it's from God by not only quoting it here, but also saying that the Holy Spirit was in David as he uttered these words. So the New Testament here validating is validating the Old Testament. Verse 27, For truly in the city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, these rulers, these Gentile rulers, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. So, sorry, not, not Gentile rulers, but the rulers in general. Herod, Pontius Pilate, Gentiles, peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and plan has predestined to take place. Once again, God, they're in opposition to you, but you're sovereign over it. You had predestined that this was going to take place. That's crazy truth, Hope family. Those times when we feel like maybe we're not enduring the physical persecution that they were enduring, but maybe it's spiritual attack in your life, in mine. Maybe it's this attack on, on Orthodox Christianity that, that seems to be you know, just continually growing, not only in America, but really all over the world for, for many in many nations around the world, it's, it's life or death, living out the truth of biblical Christianity. And so whatever that opposition looks like, Acts chapter 4 is a phenomenal passage for us. Where we're reminded by the prayers of the disciples that we can worship God because he's sovereign, because he created all things. And because here, everything that happens is being predestined to take place. God is sovereign over it. This is his world. This is his deal. And you and I are okay. One of my favorite things to do is to battle my anxiety with worship. We've said many times you can either worship or worry, but you can't do both at the same time. And I don't know how it is for those of you who, who struggle with anxiety like I do. It's worse at night. I'm, I'm probably the best in the morning. And then honestly, it gets a little harder through the day as I get more tired. And the nights are hard. And, and especially by the time when the kids are, are in bed and it just gets quiet in the house, you know, and I get tired and, and I'm getting ready to fall asleep. And, so many times those those thoughts are just assaulting my mind and it's simply a question of how am i going to battle it and worship is a key and there's so many different ways to worship you know it's it's putting on uh, music or um you know sometimes uh, you put on those worship videos on on youtube and just worship together as you know, Maverick City Music or, or whoever it is, so many, so many nights. But it, it's also, sometimes it's just, I, I'm going to dive into the scriptures again. I, I know I've already spent time maybe in the scriptures, 
um, today, maybe even if I already have, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive in again. Certainly, it's it's prayer, isn't it? Such a great a great weapon. But but it's also in prayer, reminding ourselves who God is. Just doing exactly what the disciples did here in the face of the threats of of suffering, of of stress, of of pain, of whatever it is. It's just that prayer of, but God, you are sovereign. But God, you predestined that things would take place. But God, you've you created all of this. You're you're huge. But God, you've you've got us. And and the truth of God and the presence of God just washes over us, doesn't it? By the way, I I could I could spend hours on this passage. Um, it is just so rich and and powerful. But now we're going to get to the crux of what we're going to get to uh, today. And I'm not, I'm not going to spend long on it, but there's just a powerful hit I think God has for us. Louis verse 29. And now, Lord, I love that. We're transitioning. God, we have spent all these verses. They weren't verses to them. It was just their prayer. But God, we spent all this time um, praising you and, and reminding ourselves of who we are, because that's what we do in the face of threats and opposition. But now, now we're just going to ask you to move. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. I love what they're doing. This isn't them trying to give each other a pet talk to say, let's go out and and make ourselves these really bold disciples of Christ and share the gospel with everything. It was, God, we need you. Please give us boldness. You know, Hope family, all, all too often, I think it's easiest, easy for us to fall in the Western way of, of doing things. You know, this post-enlightenment way of, okay, let's just, let's just go out and make it happen. Let's pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and, and do this thing. But instead, the scriptures are just this powerful reminder of, no, 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 you don't have to do that. It's okay. God will do it. If, if we just surrender ourselves to him, he'll do it. You know, the, the Christian journey is such a journey of surrender, isn't it? Shauna was just so blessed by one of our, our hope ladies, one of our amazing sisters who gave her a book on, on Amy Elliott, the, or Elizabeth Elliott, sorry. Elizabeth Elliott, the wife of, um, of Jim Elliott. Um, who in her book cited Amy Carmichael, who was just this incredible uh, missionary uh, to India. 53 years, I, I think it was, in India, actually never even uh, going back home, just, just staying there the whole time, eventually uh, dying there in the 1950s. And um, I'm so grateful Shauna was given the book because... I'm, I'm actually trying to devour it myself. <laughs> and uh, it's been incredible. Just yesterday, I was reading this part on uh, Amy Carmichael and it, this incredible um, interaction that Amy Carmichael, this renowned missionary, had with someone who, who sent a letter to Amy Carmichael and said, what's it like to be a missionary? And Amy Carmichael Responds and this this shocked me and and blew me away, but also really deeply resonated. Um, 
where, where she said, in essence, missionary life is a chance to die. I mean, this really, really sort of direct response in, in, in just saying, if you're going to follow Jesus to the, to the fullest, it, it really is just this utter surrender to him. You, you, you've already died. You've already, you've already laid that before God, and now you're, you're just living for him and, and living by his power. And isn't that what the Christian life is, is truly, truly what it's like? At the moment of salvation, we are surrendering to Jesus Christ as Lord so that everything that we have belongs to him. That's why at our baptisms, we're asking that question of, are you willing to die for Jesus? Which really came from our brothers and sisters in Asia who were asking that question at their baptisms. And we thought in the early years of Hope Church, isn't that an incredible question? Because there's probably no better question that captivates the heart of, are you truly, deeply, utterly surrendered to God? Because that's what salvation is all about. And so, I think perhaps Satan's greatest strategy against you and me is to constantly get us to try to own things again. Constantly get us to try to own our life again. But, but, but can't you just own the way that you spend the money? Or can't you own the possessions you have? Or can't you just own where you're going to go? Or can't you just own how you're going to spend your time? Satan is constantly getting us to try to own the books that we read or the videos that we watch or the whatever it is that we do. He's constantly trying to tempt us in those ways. But the call to follow Jesus is a call to this utter surrender before him. And... That was really a profound reminder through Amy Carmichael. And I think what the disciples are really living out here, God, we need boldness. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I read the book of Acts. I think if anybody has it figured out, these guys have it figured out. But they're saying, God, we, we need you. And so as much as they need God, how much more do we? And how liberating and freeing is it that we don't have to just go out and figure out this boldness we can come and say god i am surrendered before you will you just fill me with yourself god will you grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant jesus again they're asking for it you know so often when you see stuff on TV or you hear stories, it makes you think, ah, somebody just, they just got this healing thing figured out, but there's nothing to figure out. Healing is by the power of God. It is his spirit at work in us and through us when we empty ourselves of ourselves and we say, God, will you just do your work in me and through me? I love this. This passage encourages me so much. Signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they are gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And hope, family, this is the pattern through the book of Acts. It is the pattern, the proclamation and demonstration, the bold proclamation of the gospel, the demonstration by God himself through the Holy Spirit, doing signs and wonders to affirm the gospel that's being preached. First missionary journey, Acts 13, you'll find it. Second missionary journey of Paul, Acts 16, you'll find it. Third missionary journey of Paul, Acts 19, you'll find it all the way through the book of Acts. It will be there, this beautiful, phenomenal passage 
all the way, passage after passage after passage, all the way through the book of Acts, reminding us that it comes together. The boldness and signs and wonders, proclamation and demonstration. So that's the pattern of what we could call biblical Christianity, or, or if we can call it normal Christianity, the normal Christianity of the Bible, what you and I so badly want to live out. But it feels so overwhelming, doesn't it? And I think there is no real formula, but if there's something for us to hang on to, maybe it's right here. Maybe it's the fact that in the face of, of challenges and trials, they just dove straight into prayer. And what they did was to worship that was the bulk of their prayer, actually. It was just worship. And then to ask God for two things. God, will you give us boldness and will you give us signs and wonders? You know what's radical through the book of Acts? I think they keep praying this prayer. I think they pray it all the time. I think they pray it fervently and desperately. God, we can't do this. Will you do it in us? Will you give us boldness and will you give us signs and wonders? And one reason I think they probably are praying this prayer right here all the time is because... The miracles just keep growing. By Acts chapter 19, it's called extraordinary miracles. I mean, I would settle for an ordinary miracle, but they are desperate for extraordinary miracles. That's what they're experiencing by the time of Acts chapter 19 when Paul's handkerchief is being passed around and demons are flying out and people are getting healed. These extraordinary miracles are taking place. So the real question is, Will you and I be committed to pray the prayers of the disciples? If we're hungry for what the disciples were hungry for, will we pray the prayers that they prayed? And not just today, but tomorrow and the next day, the next day, and the next day. And as a dad, this is a prayer that I've prayed for my kids for years. Their whole, I, I think I can say their whole life. For Allison, Timothy, and Titus, just come over them at night as we're putting them in bed and just, just pray. And, and I don't pray it every night. Sometimes it goes stretches where I forget to pray it. I need to be reminded of the Lord. But I love to just pray the prayers of the disciples. I mean, if we want to see what the disciples saw, how beautiful is it to pray what they prayed and how powerful. And Acts chapter 4, verses 29 and 30, Hope Family, that's something we can grab onto. If, if this is a dream, just something we long for, here's something we can do. To, to ask God to allow us to taste of that boldness in the gospel and those signs and wonders by his power exploding in our lives. So the last thing, let us never limit what God can do in us. For so many of us, I'm afraid we're sitting there right now just listening to this saying, Peter, that's great. Totally believe it happened in the disciples' time. But I don't experience that type of power in my life. And the only thing I would very gently and, and humbly just submit back to us is, yeah, but have we prayed for it? Have we really, really earnestly prayed for it? If you will take this prayer and pray it, I mean day after day after day, pray over it, fast over it, and do it for, do it for the next two years. And if you never experience boldness or signs and wonders, then come let me know. But... I don't think I'll ever, I'll ever hear from you on it. I'd love to hear from you on other things, but, <laughs> but I don't think it'll be this because you know what I was thinking about just this week is what about the people in the room 
who maybe weren't so full of faith as they were praying this prayer. I'm sure there may have been some. And I wonder what they thought in that time when the place was shaken. I wonder if it was, oh man, God is really real. And he is, and he's here with you and me. And passionate, passionate God is about doing the same things now that he did then. Let me ask you to stand. Let me ask our music team and our prayer team to come. It is such an incredible gift and joy to share in this passage with you today. I don't even have words uh, for what it means to me. Hope family, it is such a gift to journey together, to pray together, to seek the face of the Lord together. So can we pray this over ourselves? Can we pray this over each other and beg God to move? I cannot wait to see what he will do through hungry people who pray. As we enter into our response time now, maybe that, that some of you guests and covenant members would, would love to come up front for prayer and receive prayer, maybe over this. Maybe, maybe just, just asking a, a hopeful to, to pray over you that, that boldness and signs and wonders are just to get lived out in your life. Maybe some are going to come and just pray for our church, that this can just be lived out in our church. Maybe some are, are going to come and, and pray specifically for others in your life who, who maybe don't yet know Jesus and, and just want to ask for them to experience the love of God and, and the power of God. Maybe some want to come and pray for the church in America, that we would walk faithfully in accordance with the scriptures, even in times when, when things are shifting. Maybe some have, have deep personal pain. Maybe spiritual attack you're going through. Maybe something physically you're walking through. Maybe it's a relationship. Whatever it is, please come. We would be so honored to pray for you and ask the God of heaven and earth, the one who created all these things, who is so big, to come and meet our challenges right now and move in great power. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us, your presence with us. Thank you that you are here right now. God, we ask that you move in power. Sovereign Lord, will you move in power? The things that we experience do not catch you off guard. You know every one of them. You knew we'd be right here right now. And so will you crash into our lives and move in us as only you can? God, we ask that your spirit would touch us. I pray for any among us who have never surrendered to you before that today and even right now would be that moment of surrender. I pray for each one of us that we would be emptied of ourselves and the, the things of this world, the temptations of the enemy, and instead we would just run headlong into you. That God, as we dive into you, that your spirit would move in us, that you would touch us and, and fill us and allow us to experience your power and your presence. God, we ask for boldness and we pray fervently for it. We ask for those signs and wonders. Please move in us. And God, please move right now. I pray for my sisters, my brothers, whatever it is that, that they're going through and, and feeling and experiencing those points of pain or those challenges that you would just touch them right now. Move in our midst for your glory, we pray with anticipation and with joy in Jesus' name. Love you so much, Hope family. Please come.